0: I've been here at RCC now for about six and a half months, and I must say, um, Sundays are awesome, but my favorite day of the week is Wednesday night. Um, Wednesday night, you saw some of the magic in that video. Wednesday night is just this awesome time where we get to be together, As a community, we eat dinner together, our kids have awesome lifelong learning, and our youth and students get to go across the street. And from the moment I walk in um, those gym doors to the moment that I'm locking up the youth center um, at the end of the night, I'm just so um, thankful for the chance that we get to be together on Wednesday nights and to have these real moments of discipleship. So this morning as we talk about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to have discipleship, um, I could come up with a million stories on what discipleship looks like, but what better way than to hear from our own youth and students. And so throughout um, the sermon this morning, we're gonna have some students come up and share a little bit about how they have seen this at at work in their life this morning. And so we're gonna be camping out in this Luke text. If you have Bibles or if you wanna use the Pew Bible in front of you, you can join me in Luke 5. Um, And this text this morning, I see kind of in these three movements, and we're going to walk through what these three movements look like. As we strive to follow Jesus more closely and more intentionally, it's good for us to look at how it looked the first time he called disciples. The first time that he looked people in the eye and said, come follow me. So as we walk through the story this morning, um, we're going to look at what that looks like. So the first movement I see is that we have to first see the great things that he has done. Jesus in the story has been doing some ministry for a while. He's been preaching and teaching and healing. And one day he comes to the Sea of Galilee and he says to Simon, who will later be renamed as Peter, he says to Simon... Um, he gets in Simon's boat and he says, let's go out a little ways where, it's, uh, where, we can, um, where I can stand and preach. And so he gets in the boat, he goes out a little bit, and he preaches to the crowds surrounding him. And when he's done teaching, he says to Simon, now let's go out a little deeper and put your nets down and we'll catch some fish. Now, Simon has been up all night fishing. He has been trying. This is his trade. He is a fisherman. And so he has been fishing all night and has gotten nothing. And so he's kind of looking at Jesus, I would imagine, and being like, okay, Jesus, like, we'll see how this works. And he protests, but at the end of the, the interaction, he goes out deeper and he puts his, nest, his nets down. And suddenly the net is filled with fish. So much that the nets are starting to tear. And he tries to pull them back into the boat and the boat is filled with fish. Now we may think that this is the first miracle that Simon um, is seeing from Jesus. But a couple verses earlier, it says that one of the healings Jesus does is Simon's mother-in-law. He heals um, Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. And so this is the second time that Simon has seen something great from Jesus. And he takes this, uh, this whole thing in and he responds. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But this morning, I've asked a few of our high schoolers to come up and share what it looks like um, to notice the great things that God has done. So girls, you wanna come forward? These girls all have awesome stories of time that they have been at camp and seen God's great goodness. So I'll let them introduce themselves and share um, their stories.
1: Hi, my name is Tricia. And I am a sophomore in high school and should I introduce all of us first or just go?
0: You can introduce all. Go ahead. Okay.
2: Hi, um, I'm Esther and I'm a freshman in high school. I'm Aliah, I'm also a freshman.
1: So, two summers ago, I went up to Adventurous Christians, which is a Boundary Waters camp um, done by Covenant Pines Ministries, and me and a group of high school girls from this church went off into the Boundary Waters, into the wilderness, and it was a hard trip. Like, we started off with a mile-long portage, we had a broken tent, which we eventually, like, carved a new piece for, but the first night... We didn't really know what to do, we eventually got it standing kind of rickety, and so I just decided I wasn't going to test my luck, so I slept outside, (laughs) and in the middle of this hard trip, I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked around, and it was just gorgeous. There was a full moon, stars everywhere, the lake that we were on was just a sheet of glass, and... It was beautiful. And in the middle of all of it, I was there. And I think that God has created such beautiful things and such wonder, and we get to experience it. And it's beautiful.
2: Um, So how I've seen God up at camp, this one year um, we went to chapel and it was this thing that they do in high school called Vespers and it's go it's where we go and basically worship for a very long time and halfway through this I kind of looked around and I saw everybody around me and I kind of thought like this is here this is now God isn't gonna wait he isn't gonna stand by the sidelines um he's Like, he's here. He's now. And it doesn't matter what we look like or how we see ourselves because what defines us is God. Like, that's all there is. We're just, like, a vessel for him. So it was kind of eye-opening because I saw, like, all the things he does and the things he can do.
1: All right, so last year when we went to camp, and the last night, or one of the last nights, there's an all-camp bonfire. And as me and my friends were walking back to our cabin from the bonfire, we were walking with our heads turned the sky because we were just looking at all the stars. And it made me realize um, what amazing things God has created and how sometimes we don't see it every day because there are so many things distracting us. But up at Covenant Pines, you it's a week without... Any technology, and you're just focusing on God, and it's really eye opening, and it makes you realize how amazing the world is, even if we don't
0: see it. Thanks, girls. God is at work in the lives and the world all around us. And sometimes, just like the girls were saying, you need to slow down enough to see those great things. Jesus asked Simon to get a little farther away from shore. It was just the two of them in the boat. And they were able to have this moment to see the great things that God has done. The everyday and the mundane can drown out the fingerprints of God all over the world around us. And sometimes we just need to be able to take a moment to see God's great glory all around us. Which moves us into movement two. Once we've seen the great glory, we must recognize his great power and our great need. What comes after Jesus doing this great miracle and Simon comes in verse 8, and you can read along with me. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others, the other fishermen. Immediately, Simon Peter knows that he's in the presence of God. He sees this greatness. He sees this great thing that he has just done. He remembers the great thing he already did for his family. And he knows that he is not worthy of this greatness in front of him. And so he falls to his knees and he asks Jesus to leave him because he feels so unworthy of what Jesus has just done. But the great thing about Jesus is that he does not leave. He gives this invitation for us to be able to be in community with him, to love him, and to worship him in our world. And Simon Peter does that. We learn in school that every action requires a reaction, right, so every action in our um, lives requires a response. Jesus did this great work in Simon Peter's life and the response that Simon Peter gives is to worship him, to admit that he is in a great need. The great things that God has done in this world, his creation through the life and death of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, they are miraculous. And once we've seen them and we feel them, we have to respond in some way. So to tell her story of how she responded, I would like to invite Gretchen Colmetz forward. Gretchen is uh, in her first year of confirmation um, and she's gonna share a little bit about what that journey has looked like for her. Yeah, you can put yourself up here.
3: Okay. Um, hi, my name is Gretchen Colmets. I'm in sixth grade and I'm in the middle of my first year at confirmation. Um, here are a couple things that I've learned. Um, To become a Christian, you have to pray to God and confess that you're a sinner and that you want to follow God's perfect plan for your life. When you do become a Christian, you can tap into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives me and will give you the courage to do the right thing. Recently, I went to some sort of special doctor, and she said that I should not eat gluten or dairy and that I should cut down on sugar. (laughs) I haven't started this yet. <laughs> but I plan to. Um, in this confirmation, I learned that when you become a Christian, there will be challenges or tests that you will have to overcome. I believe this is one of my tests. One time that I think about a lot is when Mr. Dean, the Sunday school teacher, taught us about when Jesus will come back down to earth. And um, as he's coming down, all of us will be rising up. I learned that when we get there after physical death, the small keyhole that we've been looking through to a door, the door will be opened and we'll understand more. Um, Before confirmation, I never really thought about what Jesus was feeling or thinking before he died. But um, in Sunday school, I learned that before Jesus died, he was asking God if there was another way, and he didn't want to die because he was still human and he did feel pain. Jesus died on the cross not because he wanted attention, but to save us from our sins because he cares. Before I leave, um, I'd like to thank my, son, my Sunday school teacher, Mr. Dean, and all of the friends and family who have helped me through this year. Bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Gretchen. It takes a lot to get up here and to share a little bit of your story. And I appreciate all of you ladies who shared this morning with us. Our youth give us a great example of what it means to follow after Jesus. The third movement, once we've seen the great um, power of God and we uh, recognize our great needs, is the invitation. And not the invitation to salvation, which is what um, Gretchen was just talking about. There's another invitation right after that. After Simon Peter's response to Jesus, Jesus tells him, Do not be afraid, and from now on you will be fishing for people. Now, this version of this story comes from Luke, but it's also in Matthew and in Mark. And in Matthew and in Mark's um, accounts, they have the words, come follow me, and I will make you fisher of people. But here in Luke's version, he doesn't use that phrase. He doesn't say that Jesus extended that invitation. What he says instead is that the moment that um, Simon returns to shore, he leaves his nets, drops everything, and follows Jesus. And the thing that I really like about not having those words in there is that it was just Simon's response. In the boat, he accepted the fact that Jesus loved him. But when he got back to shore, he had a choice— He could let that love change the way that he lived his life, his being a fisherman. He could go back to an everyday life of being a fisherman, and that would have been fine. But instead, he took the choice to leave everything behind and to follow Jesus. And what happens after that is he and 11 other disciples get to walk alongside of Jesus, watch watch him heal people, watch him teach people, watch him um, go to the cross, eat the last supper with Jesus. They get to walk alongside of Jesus throughout the rest of Jesus's life. So yes, the first invitation is saying yes to Jesus and to understand that he gave us this grace for absolutely nothing. That we get to say yes to this free gift of salvation, but there's a second invitation. And it's what do we do with that salvation? What do we do once we've said yes? That second invitation is discipleship. There's a choice in front of us to be the kind of people that just sit and hear and listen and then go about the rest of our day, or to dive in deep to community, to learn more about the teachings of Jesus and the Bible, and to tell the world about all of the things that we have learned here. Now, as a pastor... My job is to create and foster discipleship experiences. Have you ever thought about that? My whole job is to plan Wednesday nights, retreats, chick, to get our students to camp, Sunday school, etc. But the real key to the success of any of these ministries is our students. Because our students are the ones who make the choice to come every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning and dive in deep. Our students are the ones who are trying to raise money to get themselves to chick, to go to camp. They're the ones who, with everything that is in front of them in a typical summer, in a typical week, they choose to be here. And you can say that maybe their parents are making them, but I would guess, if you ask the parents in the room, that it's not that big of a struggle to get these kids to church on Wednesday nights. And yes, it's because we have fun. And yes, it's because we play dodgeball. All of those things happen sometimes. But the real thing is that our students have this amazing desire to want to know Jesus more. And it makes my job so much more fun because they are already saying yes to that invitation. And I sometimes like to look at my life and think to myself, am I doing the same thing that they're doing Yes, I show up here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and all the rest of those days in between that, but am I as an adult prioritizing my own spiritual life the way that they are? There are several opportunities inside this building and outside of this building for us to dive into this community, for us to be discipled by amazing people in the pews around us, for us to say yes to this invitation. So, friends, this morning the invitation is in front of us. The invitation to be discipled is in front of us. And the question that we have within that is how are we laying down our own nets to follow him? How are we saying yes and being a part of a community that wants to know Jesus more and share Jesus outside of these walls? Our students set an amazing example for it, and I am privileged to get to work with them. And so this morning as, you, um, as we sing our last hymn, would you just take a moment to think about what that looks like in your life? What's a place in your life that you can step into deeper discipleship? Or maybe it's time to give back some of that discipleship that you have been um, being poured into and where would you like to pour into other people? This morning's response is simply an invitation. There's always an option to say no. But think through what it means. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, you are amazing. You have done great things for us, and we are in great need. God, as we make the decision to follow you and as we um, step forward into discipleship, God, would you um, just reveal that to us? What does that look like? What's a place or an area in our lives that we need to see you more clearly? And how do we get there? Or who are people in our lives that we can disciple as well? We thank you, God, for the miraculous gift of grace that you have given us. And we pray that you would reveal to us how to respond in an equal fashion. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.